What do you think of doing when you see this? Alright? Don't point to anyone. Don't nudge anyone. Alright? Oh! What? What? Why the reaction? Ah, at least si Sister Tess, very honest. Silly. Do you find yourself when you see this sign? Oh, I gotta check it out. So before you know it, uh, I, I will repeat this, okay? The single men, when your girlfriend tells you they want to go inside the mall, and then they will tell you, titingin lang, wag na wag kayong maniniwala doon. Don't believe it. I'm just going to look. Ah, yeah, right. And then you bring something home because it was on sale. And guess what? I have one already. Has that happened to you? That happened to me. I bought a, what's this? A blender. I used it. I tucked it away. And then my sister-in-law came home, I think in the afternoon, bringing the exact same thing. So we now have two blenders that are not being used. Right? So when you see this sign, what registers? How about this one? I gotta change my car. Why? Why? It's on sale. My car runs well, but I need to change it. Why? It's on sale. Right? Or? Oh, kita mo na. Si Brother Boots, honest na naman. <laughs> Hindi lang food. Buffet. That's why Brother Boots interprets the writings of Paul when Paul said, I buffet my body. <laughs> no, the word that Paul used is, I buffet my body, which means, I beat myself to the obedience of Christ. But when we see food, and you paid for a buffet, di ba, hanggang dito na, bari bayad do eh. Di ba? Bayad do, sayang! You remember that gentleman, that long-haired gentleman in Balboa? We were sharing the gospel, right? And he walks by and he notices and then he stands. I praise God, he was praying for us. Right? And then we got to talk. He's a, he's a Japanese worship leader in a Filipino church. Imagine. Right? And then I saw him. It was like this. He had two plates. And he was eating a lot. And then he got a bowl. So I thought he was done eating and he was already going to dessert. And he goes to pick up more pork barbecue. I don't know, maybe take home. Yeah? But then in the buffet, many times you get too much and then what? Just throw it. Right? So, what do you do? When you see signs of sales and you know, you buy stuff you can't really afford, you might do this. Right? Because you couldn't control yourself. You kept on shopping beyond your means and you've encountered a hard time paying off 
your credit card. So, you cut them off. My very first credit card in Manila was a Citibank credit card. It was the first time that Citibank introduced the credit card to Manila. That's why my card had founder member, because I was one of the first. My first bill was double my credit limit. Since then, I have got three cards. Because you're not able to control it. Or, instead of perhaps buying a new car, even if it's on sale, you just manage. <laughs> yeah, so long as it runs, I will run my car to the ground. His car is almost on the ground. Right? Or, you know, I have a problem with binging, overeating. So, I know what to do. I'll just padlock my fridge. To avoid everything, I will just speak no evil, hear no evil, see no evil, and hear no evil. That's what I'll do. Because of my lack of self-control, I will just cover my ears, cover my eyes, cover my mouth. Will that work? May work for a short time, but it will not last. You see, friends, I believe, and you're free to disagree with me, that we are in the last days. As to what and how many years those last days are, that's God's department. Because 2 Timothy 3, 3 tells us, in the last days, there will be increasing godlessness. Paul writes, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, and without self-control. Do you believe this? Do you see this around you? Do you know, do you realize that the governor of the state of California just signed a new law to allow transgender students to pick and choose which bathroom they will go to? You're a woman, you're in the toilet. When you come out of the toilet, there's a man or vice versa. Why? Because everyone wants to go his own way. That's why the book of Isaiah calls us sheep who have gone astray. Each one going our separate way. There's godlessness all around. And we as Christians are called to produce fruit. Now, why do I say that these are the last days? Look at these actions that represent people who are living without self-control. Galatians 5, 19-21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you see this? Do you see this around you? 
Some of this, I submit, are even in our homes. Yes? Hopefully and prayerfully, not as much as before. In contrast, Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So we have two fruit. Fruit is obvious. Now, if, do you like this kind of fruit? Yes? This kind of fruit, is it inviting? Would you like to taste such fruit? Yes. That would be love, joy, peace, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the same bunch of grapes. Would you like to eat this? Grapes. Ah, yung grapes naging raisins. You like that? Do you like that? So we can call that the deeds of the flesh. They are rotten. They are rotten. So how do we therefore continue to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Right? The title of the message this morning is Self-Control or Out of Control. Which are ye? Which are we? Right? In honor of the reading of God's word, may I ask all of us to please stand and read our main text in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Let's all read. For the grace. To do what is good. Father God, we, I humble myself before you, Lord. And I just ask you to speak to me and through me, Lord God, as to the message that you want your people to hear this morning. Father God, apart from your Holy Spirit, I can do nothing. So please take over and you be the one to speak to your people. This is our prayer, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Just have one point. I just have one point this morning. Self-controlled means spirit-controlled. It's kind of a contradiction because of the word self. Self-control. So am I going to control myself? The solution, the answer is, I should be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, for me to exercise self-control, I must be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Self-control means spirit-controlled. What does it mean? The Greek word enkrateia, 
translated self-control, is also temperance. It comes from the word inner power or strength. It refers to one who holds himself in check, one who gets a grip on things. You get it? Inner power and strength, the one who holds himself in check. That's what it means. Now, it says inner power. So who is that? Who is that supposed to be working in me and giving me the power to say no, to keep myself in check so that I can get a grip on things? It is the Holy Spirit. You see, we live in a godless society and world. But God, through His grace, has given us this. His divine power has given us everything, I repeat, everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Christ who called us by His own glory and goodness. So God has given you and I everything that we need to live a godly life. For this very reason, Peter writes, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge what? Self-control. And there are more. So your faith should be ever increasing. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives as Christians must continue to increase. Are we communicating with each other? It's not enough to have this much love. They are, these qualities should be ever increasing. And who has given you the power to do that? Holy Spirit. That's why in the book of Acts, it reads, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witness both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. We will not be able to do this if not for the Holy Spirit. We will not be able to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, you can try. You can definitely try. There was a question raised last Friday. A person tells me, but I'm able to love. I'm able to be kind. I'm able to be good. Okay. How long? To whom? Because when the Bible tells us that love one another, it means even your worst enemies. Well, that's a different story. Right? When the Bible commands us that we are to love one another, includes the unlovable and the unlovable. So now I said, now. Oh, you have a point. It's a different kind of love that God is talking about. It's not a human conditional love. It is a divine unconditional love for God and for others. And you and I can only do this if we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ tells us that apart from the Holy Spirit, fill in the blanks, apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We can try, but it won't last. Why? Because you might be doing it 
on your own power. And you have set aside the divine power that God has given you. Everything that you need for godly living. Look at what 1 Thessalonians says. Let us not be like others who are asleep. But let us be alert and what? Self-controlled. Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Are you and I supposed to live a life of self-control? Yes. Are you and I supposed to live temperate lives? Yes. But how? We can only do that through the Holy Spirit. And Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica that they should be alert. Now, why do we need to be alert? Huh? The evil one is lurking. He's not only lurking, he's looking out for you. And he wants to do something really bad to you. 1 Peter 5.8 Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Why? Your adversary. You have an enemy. I have an enemy. And who is the enemy? Asawa ko kasi. Oh, sandali! Get it? Your adversary, what? The devil. Who is your adversary? Mga anak ko kasi, tigas ng ulo eh. It is the devil who is our adversary. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, your battle is not against flesh and blood. Who would want a husband and a wife to separate? The devil. Who would want that parents and children don't live in harmony, but they live in discord? The devil. So it's not your spouse. It's not your wife. It's not your children who is the enemy. Minsan, we will think, Pastor is always on my case. Well, now he's the enemy? No. We have one enemy. The devil. And he's waiting and setting traps so that when you trip and fall, what is his purpose according to 1 Peter 5 verse 8? What is his plan? To devour you. You are the main course. You're the main course. And he creeps up in the least expected time. I was telling Ike and Marina, you hear their testimony last Sunday? Praise God. I told them, Ike and Marina, you're going to give your testimony. Your radar, your spiritual radar should be really, really high. Why? Because once you'd want to do good for God, the devil will try his darnest to pull you down. And I didn't ask permission, but may I share what you shared? He was at the back. Sunday morning, he was at the back. He was not willing to go up here. Why will I go up there? He was debating. Will I proceed with this or not? comes up. He's beginning to read his testimony. Why are you sharing that? You're so full of yourself. 
You're so proud. He is here in the middle of the worship service giving a testimony to God. Be on the alert. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil seeking someone to devour. Never drop your guard. Never think that you are strong enough that you can rely on yourself and stop relying on God. That's the time you are most set up to fall. Now look at what Proverbs 25:28 says. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Now, in their time, it was very important that the city had walls, had fortification. In their time, when the city was without a wall, it was like they were naked. So they built the wall to secure themselves. Now look at what the writer of Proverbs says. Like a city whose walls are broken. Anyone can enter, get in, get out. Why? There's no wall. The wall is broken. Anyone can get in, anyone can get out. There is no protection. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Paul knew this principle that even he himself had to be one who exercised self-control and temperance. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, All things are lawful for me. Not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but what? I will not be mastered by anything. So can you do everything? Anything that your heart desires? Was it that thing profitable for you? No, maybe not. Can you do all things? Yes. Question is, are you mastered by that thing? Who is in control of you? Are you in control of money? Or is money in control of you? That's a big difference. Paul knew this. We should know this. I've told you before, I used to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. Even before I greet my wife, good morning, I greet Mr. Winston, good morning first. <laughs> By the time I get from my room to the car, I've already smoked three sticks. And then another one when I get in the car, another one when I got down from work. So it's very easy. Right? And then my wife, because she stopped ahead of me. So, because there are more cigarettes in America when I get to America I will prove to you I can stop because there's more temptation <laughs> guess what never only when I committed to God on my way to Tagaytay on a couple's retreat I made a bargain with God I said God I can lick this I'm going to do my part. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop buying. But you have to do something with my taste buds. Because the, the urge is there. So you deal with it. And have never smoked a single stick since. Not because of me. But because of God's faithfulness. 
You see, if, if you ask an addict, are you an addict? No. Can you quit? Yes. Can you quit right now, cold turkey? Teka. Can it be after 15 days? No. So you are really mastered by that thing. If you're out of control in your shopping, can you stop? Yeah. Are you going to Black Friday? What time? <laughs> See? The issue is who has control over you? Because being self-controlled is being spirit-controlled. See, Paul knew this principle enough. Look at, look at this guy. You find yourself like that at times? May bumubulong sa kaliwa, may bumubulong sa kanan. Sino susundin ko? Who will I follow? That's an example of Galatians 5 verse 16. There's one here speaking to you, follow God. There's another voice on the other one, follow yourself. Who will you follow? Paul writes, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For the good that I want to do, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. Who's in control? Paul surmised, he summarized this part of his letter to the Romans in that I find this law at work. Every time I want to do good, evil is there with me. It's a battle, friends. And we have an adversary who wants us to take control of our lives. Rest it away from the Holy Spirit. It's your right. It's your life. You do with it as you please. Now, there was a man in the Old Testament, King David. Saul was a king who had no self-control. He was told by the prophet, wait for me. Wait. I will anoint you. I will do this. I will do that. You wait. He couldn't wait. He was so afraid that he went ahead and did the offering in spite of the fact that he was not authorized to do so. So God removed the kingdom from King Saul and appointed another king, King David. Now David was successful because God was upon him. The Holy Spirit withdrew from Paul and it was now on King David. So who is now the anointed king? David was waiting because King Saul was still alive. Right? So King David, even if he knew that he was the succeeding king, couldn't assume his kingdom because King Saul was still alive. And King Saul was so jealous of David, he decided to kill David. Now many times, they ran after King David. Now, during this one particular time, David and his men were inside the cave, deep into the cave. And lo and behold, King Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. King David and his men were inside the cave. King Saul did not know that they were there. So the loyal men of David 
told David, mga chuchu eh. Alam niyo yung chuchu? Mga chuchu, di ba? King David, the Lord has given King Saul into your hands. If you are King David, how can I assume the kingdom that was promised to me? The king is still alive. And this king wants to kill me. So if I kill the king, I can assume the kingdom. That is rightfully mine anyway because God already gave it to me. Right? So his loyal men told him, God has put King Saul in your hands. Take his life. Tapusin na natin to. And then you can be king. But what did King David say? The Lord forbid that I should lift my hands against him. Why? For he is the anointed of the Lord. King David knew that he would rightfully assume the kingdom once it is God who removes King Saul. Not before, not after, and definitely not through and by his hands. It was God who anointed King Saul. It is God who is going to remove King Saul. It is God who anointed King David. It is God who will put King David on the throne at the right time. Did King David exercise self-control? If that was us. Yan mo siya, nakatayo pa pag upo. I'm the king. I'm the king anyway. But his resolve was God forbid. God forbid that I lay a hand against him. Why? He is the anointed of God. David knew. King David knew. It was not for him to do this thing. It was God who was going to install him in the kingdom at the right time and by the right ways. Paul understood. For some, self-control is deemed to be weakness. But can Why are you holding back? But Paul understood the principle that when we realize our true weaknesses, then we can really be strong. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. You see, the key for us to be able to live a life of self-control is the grace of God. We have to realize that we are weak. But when we are weak and we acknowledge this weakness and depend upon God, then we can be strong. Because, God, I can't deal with this. You gotta help me. Will God help you? Will God give you victory? For so long as you ask Him. For so long as you recognize your weakness. And for so long as you recognize that only through God's strength in you will you be able to be victorious. That's why the grace of God is very important. In our main passage, God's grace redeems us. 
Titus 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that what? Brings salvation has appeared to all men. You don't need to wait for salvation. Salvation is already made available to all men through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, verse 14 tells us, who gave himself for us to what? Redeem us from what? All wickedness. And purify us for himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Have you received the grace of God? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Have you been redeemed? Do you live a life to please God? Not only does God's grace redeem us, God's grace redeems us in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have what? You have been saved. How? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. You cannot say that I'm saved because I'm good. I am only saved because of the grace of God. You don't have to guess. Look at the grammar of the writing of the book of Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And even the faith to believe is not your own. It is a gift of God. And all you need to do is accept it. The grace of God redeems us, but the grace of God also is there to transform us. Verse 12. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. To purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Children of God are to live unlike the world. The world is going one way, God's people should go the other. We are not to alienate ourselves from the rest of the world, but we are supposed to bring light into the dark situation. So when you come into the office, do you bring light or do you bring gloom? Here comes, in the office, they're very formal. So my name is Lorenzo. What if I come in? Here's Lorenzo. Everybody stop joking. He's a KJ. Right? So nobody will want to build relationship with you because you will be branded as Dr. No. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. Here's Dr. No. Maybe in your family like that, your children don't want... Ay, my parents, no, 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 no. Patay. I rest my case. I rest my case. By the way, August 23 is the birthday of our brother Joseph, okay? It's his birthday, correct? August 23. So pray for him. 
and his children. <laughs> See, it is the grace of God that teaches us, that will transform us to be godly, Christ-like people that exercise self-control. I know many of you have Romans 8.28 as your favorite verse. For we know that in all things God works together for good for to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. How about verse 29? Uh, because many of us don't like verse 29. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined, what? To become conformed to the image of His Son so that He would be firstborn among many brethren. We don't like change. We don't like for God to put us in His mold because many times it causes pain. God will chisel away so that we can be conformed to the image and likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. So whatever God takes away, you and I must believe that it is for a divine purpose. So it will be easier to release because we trust that the heart of God is for us and for our good. So He will not remove anything from us if it is good for us. He's not there sitting in His throne of heaven and saying, wala akong magawa ngayon eh. Sino kaya? On the contrary, the eyes of the Lord go through and fro through all the earth to strongly support those whose heart are completely His. God is looking for you. If you desire to follow Him, He is there to strongly support you. So don't think that God is this cosmic KJ, bawal ito, bawal yan. Hindi pwede rito. No, 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 no. If it's not good for you, God will say no. If it is for you, God will give it to you. Do you believe that? Live a life of self-control because self-control is really spirit control. Surrender that desire to God. Filter it through God's Word. Cover it with prayer. And let God allow you to be sifted so that only the best comes out. Third, God's grace rewards us. God's grace rewards us. Remember Hebrews chapter 11, which was at one time or another your memory verse? What? Faith is what? Being sure of what we hope for, being certain of things not seen. Right? How about the other passage in Hebrews that you're also supposed to memorize? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that He is, and that is what? A rewarder to those who earnestly seek Him. So is God the rewarder? Yes. Will God's grace reward you? Yes. He will reward you with salvation. He will reward you with transformation. And there is a great reward. His very presence in heaven. While we wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not the end of the world. This is not the end of life as we know it. When our physical bodies die, if you're in the Lord, you will spend the rest of eternity with God in heaven. 
and the 80, 90, or even 100 years that God will give you on this earth will compare to nothing for the eternity that you will spend in His glorious holy presence. Look for the reward. Live a life of self-control. Let the Holy Spirit control you so that you bear much fruit. Because there is going to be a time when you will see God face to face. And it is my prayer that all of CCF and all of the Christ-fearing, God-believing, born-again Christians in all the world will want to aspire for, which Jesus wrote in Matthew 25. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Do you aspire to hear those words? Or are you okay with, Andito ka pala? Nakapasok ka? You got in? Or would you want really to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. And what is your reward? The joy of the eternal presence of your God. Now God is a good and gracious God. And some of His rewards are also given here. We're looking at this verse as the eternal reward. But there are many rewards that God gives us while we're still here. And this morning I would like to ask our brother to share has, how God has rewarded. Our brother Joel would like to share his testimony with us this morning. Um, I'm going to entitle this uh, testimony as Be Faithful to God and God Will Be Faithful to You. Good morning. I am Joel Mercado. Everything started when my beautiful marriage with Anne turned to turmoil back in 2008. I did not prioritize my wife and my family. My career and my friends are my priority, so it resulted to a rocky marriage. Every situation indicated that we were ready to divorce. She decided to go back home in the Philippines for good. Perhaps, for old time's sake, she asked me one last time if I wanted to come with her, but she knew I wouldn't leave my career here in the U.S. So to her surprise, I said I will go. Not for her, but for the kids. I met God while attending CCF St. Francis and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I became passionate about Him and became hungry to learn about Him. I attended Bible studies, joined a discipleship group, and volunteered in various ministries. I was all fired up for God, and I started rebuilding my family. At the same time, he gave me a business to keep me busy. The business prospered, but my desire to expand the business led me a decision to go back to the U.S., gather funds, and go back home. I went to the U.S. and left my family back in Manila. God was faithful. In a, few, in a few months' time, he gave me a job to provide for my family. They were with me in the U.S. immediately after that. Since then, I learned to trust God in what he can do. However, 
the job I had was in Palm Springs, so we had to move out from Long Beach. And it was a total shift in my career path because I was managing the cleanliness of a hospital. I was a hotel guy and an audio technology kind of a person my whole career. I never thought that I would be in charge in the cleanliness of a hospital. But since God gave me this, uh, this career opportunity, I was more than happy to perform it at my best. And I was telling God, God, I don't know how to do this, but you are my boss, and I will give my best day in and day out. I learned the skills of the trade and actually became really good at it. But after a full year, I was relieved of my position. Some of the employees under me did some misconduct, and because of the command responsibility, I was asked to leave the company. I was devastated because I started to love what I was doing. Despite this, I never doubted God. I know he will never leave me nor forsake me, and I know he had great plans for me. I was down, but I kept my cool. Since I'm the sole income provider for my family, worry somehow crept in. I started to ask myself, where are we going to stay? Where are we going to eat? But instead, instead of nursing that feeling of worry, I immediately turned to God. I knelt and prayed really hard. I specifically asked God to provide for us by giving me a job to cover the expenses since we are using up the money and then to give me a job that I want in the future because for our, our funds are almost gone. Within a month, I got a job here. God made me realize once again that I needed to trust him. I am his son. I just need to sit back and relax and let him do the work. I was hired by a company that I used to work for when I had an upper management role. But my new job was at the bottom of the food chain. I was now just a regular employee, the person who does all the heavy lifting and all the dirty work. To add insult to injury, my supervisor does not know his job. I used to do his work, and I know I can do a better job than him. But I didn't complain. I went to work day in and day out, praising God. I was like, God has a plan. God has a plan. For I know that he gave me this job, and he is simply staging something better. I know that because I specifically prayed for it. I continued coming to work daily with high spirit. I was setting up big shows by myself. I didn't complain. They were cutting my hours. I didn't complain. They sent me to other locations to get hours. I didn't complain. They promoted people they hired after me, even though they had promised a management position. I didn't complain. I held on to this verse, Deuteronomy 2.7. The Lord your God has blessed you with all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey and through your vast wilderness, the 40 years the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. So instead, I praised God daily. I continued to serve him, fulfilled my duties in the ministry. Since God held on his part by giving me a job, I started fulfilling my end of the bargain. I started looking for the job that I really wanted. I joyfully looked for the jobs, went to interviews, and took entrance tests. It took a while, but finally I got into the eligibility list in the Department of Social Services. The day I got the paperwork, I already made it to the eligibility list, was a couple of days I need to take a test for the position at Los Angeles County Office of Education. I didn't want to take the test anymore since I'm technically a county employee, just waiting for placement. I already passed. I don't need to do that test anymore. But I heard a voice saying, take it, take the test. I asked, God, is that you? I prayed, did my quiet time, and prayed some more. 
then eventually took the test. A couple of weeks later, I got the result, 72%. I, I barely made the borderline of 70% to qualify for an interview. I asked God again, do I need to go to the interview? My score is low. If I do a dis decent job in the interview, my score is too low to make it to the final three cutoff. I prayed again, God, do I do this? And he answered again through prayers, scriptures, and through my wife. Go to the interview. So I went, I answered all the questions as honestly as I can. I didn't lie because that will not glorify God. I answered all of it. I was a little rattled because they were asking me questions that were not in the questions list. I kept my promise of not lying and compromising. I remember they asked me a couple of questions that I knew would be critical to my interview score. But I kept answering as honestly as I could. Each time I opened my mouth at the back of my head, I said, I am a God pleaser. I am a God pleaser. At the end of the interview, I was drained, tired, and my head was throbbing. The interviewers gr grilled me really good. I knew the interview went well, but not great enough to comp compensate for my low score. I talked to God again. God, it's all up to you. If this is for me, this is for me. True enough, that afternoon, I got an email. My interview went so well that it brought my test and interview average to 92%. Good enough to bring me to the top three. Wow, as in wow, God is good, God is good. A couple of weeks later, I had to appear for the second to the last interview. I came into the interview about 25% prepared. I had a busy week from my current job and I didn't have time to prepare. I left it all to God once again. I saw the two applicants in the lobby, and then they seemed really prepared and confident of their skills. But I was there, sitting in one corner and saying to myself, God, we got this. They may look like they deserve the job, but they're missing one thing. They don't have you. God is backing up Joel. So true enough, another difficult interview took place. I kept my composure, answered each and every question with the purpose of pleasing God. I even answered one question using my talk in the phase one camp about legacy and finishing well. The, interview, the interviewers loved it. They loved it. They, they, they even called me Mr. Finish Well at the end of the interview. So God was, God's sense of humor, he allowed me to plant seeds to the interviewers. So finally, last Thursday, August 15th, I was called in by the Los Angeles County Office of Education, CFO, for the final interview. One last nerve-wracking question and answer. The CFO liked what he saw and offered me the job. The job that I really wanted. The job that I prayed for. <laughs> the job Anne Aiken and I prayed for. <laughs> the job my whole spiritual family and my family prayed for. <laughs> the job God wanted for me and the job that has been chosen for me. Praise God. Remember the Palm Springs job I had managing cleaning hospitals? That job gave me enough experience, skills, and knowledge, and training to prepare me for this great opportunity. I will be heading the custodial department of the Los Angeles County Office of Education, the largest regional education agency in the nation. Now how see faithful God is. I see how God is. I now see he planned everything out. I remained faithful to him. He stuck to his plan. He answered my prayer, a job for the meantime and a job that I really wanted in the future. 
we know that this was really God's gift to us. During the whole process of hiring, I was unable to prepare for the test or the interviews because I had been busy at work and with the ministry. I know God allowed this to happen so that I will know that I did not get this job on my own credentials or efforts, but rather I got this job because he had this set aside for me. In his time, according to his will, and to the one that would bring him most glory. To God be the glory. God is a rewarder. God's eyes are upon each and every one whose heart are completely His. He wants to strongly support you. Believe it or not, I told Joel of this opening. And now he's my supervisor. <laughs> supervisor, yeah. I'm eligibility worker too. I told him, go apply. And then I asked him, what happened? Okay na, on eligibility worker. I'm still waiting for this other one. What's that? Custodial supervisor. Man, we gotta pray that you get the custodial supervisor job. You have, before you get to supervisor, right? County people? It takes a long time. But because God's favor is upon our brother, and he decided to honor God, you don't wait, you don't, some rewards, you really have to wait. But some rewards are here. And they're waiting for you. And God is just waiting for you to exercise faithfulness and self-control. Who will help you? Your small group. Pastor Danny and I cannot help all of you effectively on a one-on-one -on -one individual basis. That's why the church is broken down into small groups. That's why in this pulpit, you will hear it time and time again. Be involved in a discipleship group. Pastor, there's no discipleship group in my area. Maybe God is asking you to start one. Yes? You keep on asking God, God, when is there going to be a CCF in my area? What if God says, you are CCF in the area? What are you waiting for? Like Pastor Danny in the hospital. In song, what are we doing here? I don't know about you. What are we doing here? <laughs> what? What? Let's start it. Okay. And look what God has brought. And we're not yet finished. We need the grace of God. Because the grace of God brings salvation. The grace of God brings transformation. And it is the grace of God who brings reward. Are you part of a small group where you can be ministered to? The whole small group prayed for him. Blow by blow. Until God is... Imagine, I can't understand how you would introduce legacy, your me legacy message in the, in the youth camp. Apparently, people are wondering about what do you mean by finish well? I'm starting my job. 
I'm planning for retirement. So their mind is on retirement, not necessarily on what? Finishing well. And because of that message that he preached, he was able to plant seed in his interviewer. Praise God. God is a rewarder? Yes or no? Yes. I don't know about you. But let's ask ourselves some tough questions. What am I a slave to? Am I a slave to my anger? Food? Lust? Power? Money? Spending? Jealousy? Alcohol? Bitterness? Drugs? Vices? You fill in the blank. What does God want me to say no to right now? Is there something? If God wants you to say no to something right now, then there is also something that God wants you to say yes to right now. Because you and I, were not supposed to live in a spiritual vacuum. We purge out the ungodly stuff, but we have to fill it with godly stuff. If God is asking you to say no to something, then rest assured, God is asking you to say yes to something. And finally, have I truly surrendered control of my life to God? Just one point. Self-control is spirit control. Are you self-controlled or are you out of control? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we cannot exercise self-control apart from your Holy Spirit. God, far be it for, for us to even try. Because this is the fruit of your Holy Spirit. And human effort cannot produce this fruit, Lord God. Thank you for your faithfulness in the life of our brother Joel. Have, that you have again allowed him to encounter you in a deep and personal way. And I know, Lord, he will never be the same. Lord, there may be some people here this morning who have not yet received the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. You speak to them, Lord God. You tell them of their need for a Savior. And if you're that person this morning and you want to accept the grace of God, then pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you. But I need you, Lord God. I realize that it's only your death on the cross that has fully paid for all of my sins and I can be reconciled to you through Jesus. Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior. You take control of my life, Lord God. I have been out of control for so many years and I'm tired. Will you carry me, Lord Jesus? Will you change me from the inside out and make me the kind of new Christian that you want me to be? Not on my terms, Lord God. 
but on your terms alone. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Perhaps you're already in Christ, but you're still struggling with letting go, releasing control of your life to the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and that's you, will you just tell God? You might be tired as well. And He's here to strongly support you. You don't have to live this life on your own. As a matter of fact, you're supposed to live this life dependent on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Just tell God this morning in your own words. Oh, gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're hearing all of our prayers this morning. Thank you, Lord God, that your grace is enough to save us, that your grace is what we need to transform us, that your grace is what we will see one of these days when we will see you face to face. And we long to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful slave. You have been faithful in the little things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Be glorified, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.